The first recorded evidence of a marriage has been traced back to 2350 BC in Mesopotamia, which is now modern Iraq, Kuwait, Syria and Turkey. But marriage is often followed by divorce and the origins of that are far from clear. Modern divorce can be very expensive and a long drawn out process and some people decide that their love of a party and cake means they won't bother with a little bit of legal paper. They go on to become bigamists. What if the solution to this mess is murder of not only one spouse, but another spouse too? This is the case of Ronald Harnois, and this is Murder Me on Monday. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Murder Me Monday podcast. I'm Cameron, and joined with me, his mother. Hello, I'm running on fumes. I was out at a party last night. People were talking to me, they'd introduce me to people, they'd say their name, I'd immediately forget it. You said to me that you was trying to simplify this. Yes. For me, and also people that are also brain broken like me, and can't remember people's names for shit. Really good at facts, can't remember people's names. I'll look at you dead in the face and be like, Tim, Lee. Fuck knows. I don't know. What you, I don't know. I don't know who you are. <laughs> it's okay to ask questions with this one because I got so confused myself. I had to skip between the research and the writing, and then go back up and down my script a few times. Is it names that are shared or just similar? S- similar. Is it like Ronald, Ronnie, yes. and Reggie? And yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But there's also figments of imagination in this one. Yes, I know. That's the whole point. Oh, so like some some dude called Barney in the corner that doesn't actually exist. Yes. Okay. Yeah. If you'd like to support us via Patreon.com, where you get early access and exclusive content and stickers should you want them, please do consider it. Link's in our bio and thank you to all of our current supporters. But if you can't sign up, we understand, but leaving a review is good too. Tina Turner said it best. What's love got to do with it? Nothing. Marriage was originally a business transaction to ensure the male had a legitimate heir. Love and religion didn't come into it, and some would say it's come full circle, hasn't it? Yeah, it's more so if a woman was promiscuous, you wouldn't know whose child it was. So the institution of religion was like, hey, don't do that. Yeah. You're with, with this one person. Yeah. And interesting to find that gay marriage was a thing back when too. The so ro- are trans people. Trans people existed fucking way back, way back in the Greeks. They love dressing up. They didn't care. Well, the Roman Emperor Nero, you know, the guy who fiddled while Rome burned, ruled from AD 54 to 68. He twice married men in formal wedding ceremonies and forced the imperial court to treat them as his wives, which astonished me. We are not in ancient Rome this week. We are in a place that I love the way the name sounds, Woonsocket, which is in Rhode Island and has a population of roughly 43,000 people. Very historical. And it's roughly 200 miles northeast of New York City for context, okay? Know nothing about Ronald's early life. Born, I think, 1950. He'd been married once before and did have a child in around 1972. Don't know when the divorce happened, but in 1983, he marries again, a lady called Joanne. Ronald would have been around 33 and Joanne, I think, was around 30. They buy a house together and seem to be, they seem to have perfectly ordinary lives and also what appeared to be mirror life insurance policies. So it is identical for $75,000 each. Nothing too outrageous there. Tick along for years. And then it becomes a bit weird. 
September 1989, Joanne joins a bowling league and meets someone called Tammy Petrin. They get along great for a while and share life stories. Tammy telling Joanne she was married to a guy called Roland. Yeah, that's where we've got Roland and Ronald, okay? Oh, are they not the same person? Hold on. No, no, no. Is someone doing like a sneaky thing with their name? So it's easy to remember. Yeah. Oh, they are? Yeah. Wow, I'm so good at guessing this. I watched a screen movie on the weekend. I got all the plot points. I'm so good at this. And we've just had to re-record this bit because I got the names mixed up myself. Roland tells Tammy that Joanne's husband is his twin, Ronald. Okay. Tammy never questions. She'd never seen Ronald and Roland together and actually never sees Ronald and Joanne together either. Confused yet? Heading towards Christmas of 1989, Joanne is suspicious of the amount of time that her husband, Ronald, is spending with Tammy. And it culminates in her getting an anonymous telephone call telling her that Ronald is doing the dirty on her with Tammy. And if she wanted proof, she could find them in Ronald's car in a local high school car park. Joanne had been told by Ronald that he was going Christmas shopping by himself. So it can't be him. But she does go and check it out. And sure enough, sees Ronald and Tammy together in his car. She doesn't confront them at the time, which is interesting. I don't know why. But she does confront Ronald when he gets home and raises the possibility of divorce. Ronald gives her goodness knows what excuses and talks her down. This incident obviously starts to worry Ronald a bit. I'm going to do Roland again. Can't we just call him Ronald, bracket, pretending to be Roland? Because this this name is going to get confusing. Not only is it two people with very similar names, it's not two people. Yeah. Well, he'd, he'd been divorced and it was expensive and he didn't want to do that again. But he also can't keep it in his trousers and carries on sneaking about with Tammy, who's still convinced she's married to the twin, Roland. Now, I also wondered why Joanne didn't confront Tammy. She doesn't seem to. And why Tammy believes that Roland, well, Ronald, he's double her age. She's 19. He's 39. She's also very, very naive. June 1990, Joanne catches Ronald and Tammy again and again talks about divorce. Ronald says he isn't messing about with Tammy, but he is agreeable to a divorce on his terms. He gets to keep everything and Joanne is not allowed to date. Joanne decides these terms are not acceptable and decides to stay. What? This isn't Sharia law. She's not forced to stay into a marriage. The husband doesn't have to agree. I know. She could just leave. I know. And then wouldn't they also have to... Because if she says, I, I suspect he's not actually Ronald and or Roland, he's pretending to be both at the same time, then wouldn't that just void one of one or both of the marriages in the first place? In which case, she's then probably entitled to everything anyway. And it's probably what he knows. And that's why we're doing a podcast about it. You are right. <laughs> yeah. Correct. So Ronald isn't happy about the fact that Joanne... Also, what are, these, what are those conditions? Those conditions are, I want everything, and someone's going to go, duh, okay. Mm-hmm. And unless at the end of it, there was just a big pot of money and say, <laughs> it, here's like seven figures. I don't get it. Those aren't conditions. No, they, they are not wealthy people. And Ronald isn't happy about this. And he decides he actually wants rid of Joanne, but wants to keep everything. 
and he does what they all do. He talks and moans to anyone who will listen. He asked one friend to buy him gunpowder. That friend may have done it, as we will hear, but he also asked another friend if he knew of anyone who would get rid of Joanne for about $10,000. That friend thought he was kidding. Well, you would, wouldn't you? It's not human nature to immediately go, let me just report that to the police, when a friend is moaning about his marriage and, you know, will you offer my wife for me or find somebody that will for $10,000? People self-deprecate all the time, don't they? Yeah, exactly. If, if I get mildly inconvenienced, I say I want to stick my head in the oven. So people play up what they actually mean. So and that, the, whole, the whole thing about ball and chain wife thing is outplayed in it. Yeah, I can understand why the friend didn't do anything. That same June in 1990... Ronald's car breaks down and Joanne wouldn't let him drive her car. That showed some backbone with somebody like him, but it actually makes things worse. She was a waitress and probably would have been working some strange hours herself and needed the car. But Ronald was working in a place called Lincoln, which is about seven and a half miles away from Woonsocket. He is described as working as a delivery truck driver for a pizza parlour. It's not a delivery type gig delivering pizzas, as from the 17th of June, Tammy picked Ronald up in her car at 5.30am and took him to work. Tammy would then pick him up from work 12 hours later, take him home, drop him off, coming back at 6pm after he'd eaten his dinner, which presumably Joanne had made for him, and then take him to a friend's house. So apparently they could spend time reading maps so he could learn his delivery routes for the next day. And then Tammy would drop him back home at 11 o'clock at night. Yes, I was boggling too at that. And this carried on from 17th of June until the 1st of August 1990. Tammy had never been into Roland Stroke Ronald's house. That particular night after work, Tammy did go into the house and she persuaded Joanne to accompany her to a local mall while Ronald remained at home. Tammy drove her and Joanne in her car. The ladies returned to the house around 7.30pm and what they talked about is not revealed. But when Ronald then told Joanne when she got home with Tammy that he and Tammy were going to a friend's house to look at maps. This friend's house is about 50 miles away. I know there were no GPS or sat-navs, but map books are a thing, and they're not expensive. So 50 miles to go and look at maps sounds insane to me. Ronald also said that he might need Joanne to pick him up later that night. Ronald and Tammy leave, and Joanne pops out to run a quick errand in her car, and then goes home. Ronald calls her at 10.45pm. He asked Joanne to come and pick him up at his friend's house and he told her that he had left directions on a sheet of paper that was stuck in the phone book, which were a thing back then. Joanne retrieved the directions, read them back to Ronald over the telephone and then left to pick him up. Gotta love that late night 100 mile round trip that would take a couple of hours for Joanne just to collect the cheating hu husband who absolutely wasn't cheating. But off she sets and leaves the house driving through Woonsocket. That is until she hears a very loud bang and pulls over. The car behind her's occupants tell her to get out, get the heck out of the car. It's leaking petrol and could blow up. 
So Joanne, luckily unhurt, runs and the police are called. The bang were the two back tyres exploding along with the gas tank being battered and split and the exhaust pipe snapped in half and full of holes. Now, that's not normal. Please check the car out thoroughly and find a pipe bomb. Thankfully, that hadn't gone off the way it should. It was under Joanne's car seat. ATF, Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms Units, are involved at this point. They find that there had actually been six pipe bombs. Six. Well, in the, in the one car? In the one car. Searching the house, there's a rake of evidence that points you, back. You can't get away with that. If you said it's one pipe bomb because I'm an enthusiast, you get in trouble. But there's six. It all, it all goes back to Ronald. If or Roland. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah, yeah. If they'd all gone off, it probably would have taken a street out. Apparently, they were set up as a daisy chain. So one would set the next one off. And the final one was supposed to take out the petrol tank and hopefully obliterate all the evidence. Hint, it never does. Wouldn't it just be better to have that one massive pipe bomb then? Because if you're requiring six part of the chain to actually work, if you had one massive pipe bomb, then surely that would just set off the, the petrol itself. If they're in a daisy chain and he'd set it up right, which obviously he hadn't, there should have been fail-safes that if one didn't go off, the next one in the chain should have gone off. And I know these things because I spent far too much time on strange websites. <clears throat> that would have been a great plug for a sponsor, by the way. <laughs> it's actually worse than all of that. Tammy had actually married this idiot bigamously in May 1989 before she even met Joanne. And I thought the whole time researching it, she must have thought she was married to this fictitious twin as the marriage certificate was in the name Roland. Yet she'd never lived with him, never seemed to spend the night with him. But no, Tammy did know. She found out when she met Joanne, yet seemed to have done nothing with the knowledge. Absolutely bonkers. When she marries him, is she also committing a crime if she's unknowing? No. Okay, so it is only, it is, even if you're knowing, is it then the person that's done it twice that does it bad? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Police talk to Tammy and she finally sees the light and agrees to testify against him. It also had something to do with the fact that if she didn't testify against him, she'd be down as an accessory and would also get prison time. August 1990, Ronald, then age 40 was charged with assault and the attempted murder of Joanne, who was then age 36, plus the bigamy, and filing a false document, which could have been divorce papers maybe, or maybe this birth certificate and a false name. Oh, and remember that friend that thought Ronald was joking about getting rid of Joanne? He actually went with Ronald to the police evidence garage the next day and tried to get Joanne's car back. Yeah, that, that, that's going to happen. 1991. Ronald is sat in his cell awaiting trial for the attempted murder of his wife, who by now I was hoping had actually gotten that divorce, and he's fuming that Tammy is cooperating with authorities. True to form, can't keep his trap shut and starts asking about if anyone can take care of a problem for him. He also ropes in his daughter from marriage number one, who is fully grown adult by this point and tries to get her and her boyfriend on board as hitman. Yes, his own child. They do refuse, but also don't tell authorities, which I understand. It's her dad. 
she's not going to want to, is she? He writes letters to her that somehow the prison didn't intercept. Maybe they weren't allowed to. It was his only on remand. He hadn't actually been convicted at this point. Anyway, Roland tells his adult daughter that Tammy needs to go before the trial. And his daughter will be contacted by a former cellmate of his at the prison who will want directions on how to find Tammy, which he provides to his daughter, and tells her that he's only to give the man money when Tammy's funeral takes place. The reason he does this is because he was ripped off by another inmate previously and had actually gotten his daughter to give this hitman about $2,500 before he realised the guy had no intention of killing Tammy. What does the daughter do? Holds on to the letters and then leaves them behind when she moves out of her shared house. What does a roommate do? Reads them and then finds Tammy herself and gives her the letters. What does Tammy do? Gives them to her lawyer who gives them to the police in June of 1991. The police do nothing except to check in on Tammy now and again. She's not put under guard or surveillance, which will come back to bite them later. Tammy had left her previous job working on an assembly line and managed to get a job working as a cashier at a Burger King. She'd only been there two months when the night of the 30th of July, 1991, she was working with the overnight cleaner, a chap by the name of Jenna. Tammy and Jenna are both found shot in the head. Jenna is dead, but Tammy lives long enough to get to the hospital, but passes soon after. Initially, it's thought to be a fast food robbery, as is unfortunately very common. But when they realise who Tammy is, it's the oh shit moment. They know from the letters who the cellmate of Ronald is, but they have no idea where to find him. And they also think there was actually another guy involved, but the same thing. No idea where he is. They also have witnesses and people have actually managed to get license plates numbers. But it's going to take time to round everybody up. So the police have no evidence that Ronald is involved in this plot, just his own letters. And now, because Tammy is dead, Ronald was right Any statements she gave to the police cannot be admitted as evidence as the accused cannot challenge the witness against them. Doesn't that seem like a kind of loophole? It does, but also I understand the need. You have to be able to cross-examine anybody that's... Yeah, because they could just be lying. And then happen either they die or get murdered. But when somebody's dead... And especially when the person has got a history of trying to hire a hitman and then there's letters that say, I'm attempting to hire a hitman... I know. If it walks like a duck, it's a duck. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is a definite loophole that perhaps should be looked at. But anyway, Ronald still goes to trial for the attempted murder of Joanne. There's plenty of evidence from the forensics and the materials at his house and people testifying how he wanted rid of Joanne. And three months after Tammy's murder, Ronald is found guilty despite his best efforts and gets sent down for attempted murder possession of a bomb, fourth-degree arson, and bigamy. What do you mean, a bomb? There were six. Yeah, I know. He was sentenced to serve four concurrent terms of imprisonment 
the longest of which was for 20 years. That's 1991. 1994, Ronald appeals. It's denied. He continues to sit in jail while all the evidence against him for Tammy's murder is put together. Authorities find the hitmen eventually. One died, but gives them what they needed before he ever got to trial. He's in prison, he dies in prison. When you say got the hitmen, do you mean the first one he tried to hire? Or do you mean he subsequently had hired two hitmen to Yeah, he'd hired to kill Tammy. He'd hired it's complicated. It's he tried to hire a hitman in prison who ripped him off. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what his daughter gave them the money. Yeah. Was she aware that that's what she was attempting to do? Yeah. She must have been. She must have been. I'm just wondering what she's then culpable for. It would be aiding and abetting, but I don't believe she's ever charged. There's never any Oh, mention. I definitely feel like she should do. She's the middleman. Well, the guy also... that. If you, wait, wait. If you receive money for... In, okay. If you never physically touch the drugs yourself that you're selling, you just receive the money, then hand it to someone... You're, you're still guilty. In UK law, you're still you're guilty. St- you're still part of it. Mm-hmm. You, okay, the, the person then gives them the drugs, mm-hmm. and then you're stood next to him, and mm-hmm. the person then gives you the money instead, and then you then give it to the, the head drug dealer. You're still involved in the process. Yeah. I get, like, I'm sure you could argue there's like some sort of difference between a violent crime, potential violent crime versus selling drugs. Da, da, da. No. It's all li- interlinked with conspiracy, and it's also, it's like the, the getaway driver is also guilty of a murder if somebody dies when the commission of the murder even yeah. though they didn't step out of the car because it's all to do with the act, yeah, the way it's all sat together. So, uh, and to clarify then, so they'd hired two hitmen the second time, which is when she got shot, yeah. and so did the other guy in the Burger King. Yeah, yeah. And he was just a random guy that happened no. to be working at the same time? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was just the overnight janitor. Just mopping floors and cleaning, emptying bins out. I've said before, random, completely indiscriminate acts of violence really get me. Yeah. That really annoy me. It was, it, Not to say other murders don't, but there's something specific about it. You've done nothing. Yeah. Well, the guys that sh- he actually um, contracted with, shall we say, one of them was, again, another former cellmate. And he didn't actually want to do this. And he told Ronald that, oh, no, I, I, I'm, I'm not up for this. So Ronald tells him, go and find someone who will. And this Muppet does. And this is the guy that actually does the shooting. He's the one that's dead. Mm. He basically stalked Tammy, this guy. He was seen doing the old peeping Tom routine at her apartment. The first guy was using his mother's car. And that's the witnesses get the registration numbers. And that's how they would tie it all together. I'd have been pissed off if you used my car in a commission of an offence but it's not big enough to get anything good in it anyway I wouldn't well it's a sport car 3rd of November 2000 Ronald is found guilty of murder conspiracy to commit murder and aiding and abetting he was given three life sentences plus a 10 year sentence but and one of those life sentences was without parole which was for the murder of Jenna the um, janitor because he was a completely innocent bystander who was killed during the commission of another capital offence being the murder of Tammy so he didn't get life without parole for the murder of Tammy but he got it for the death of Jenna and all because he didn't want to lose half the marital assets in a divorce he has now lost his freedom and every single asset he ever had 
He tried to appeal that verdict too in 2004. And predictably, it was denied. He's going nowhere at the age of 72 now in a medium secure facility in Rhode Island. The other hitman, the one who was driving his mum's car, got 10 years. Didn't murder anyone. Was, I said it was the guy that died. This guy was actually trying to con money out of Ronald, as I said, but he got in too deep and he got a lesser sentence because he agreed to testify against Ronald. And it got me wondering, how did this Ronald, how did he manage to con Tammy so successfully? I know she was 19. I know she was naive. But he managed to convince Joanne and his daughter as well, didn't he? And I've got so many questions. But what could this guy have achieved, maybe? I mean, he's a politician right there, lying with a completely straight face. And he's got people believing him. Why did he create a twin? I kind of don't get it. That's, that's just muddling it up. I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't bother with the other name because I'm assuming he's going 50 miles away because that's where he actually lives with one of the other women, etc. No, he didn't. It was a friend. Literally, they would go to a friend's house and read their map books. So that Tammy, was genuine? Yeah. Tammy lived in the same bloody I'm a town. nerd, but fuck me, that's bad. Yeah. Maybe he was going to keep them separate. Maybe he was going to try and make it a separate life. Tammy's family did meet him and they didn't like him for obvious reasons. He's double her age. He was he was an older guy, and they just he just gave off vibes. I mean, you've got the picture of him. He doesn't he gives off serial killer vibes, doesn't he? I'm just I'm just genuinely confused. Well, you've well, you've got this dynamic between Joanne and Tammy, and you've created a, a, a another person. You were married once before that didn't work out, so you've married three times. One of them didn't work. The third one doesn't count. The only one that actually counted was the second one, and that you attempted to blow her up. I kind of I'm I'm struggling to see the the thread here. What is this man doing? I don't get it. If Joanne had and he plays with these, and he plays maps with his mates. Like I'm <laughs> that's the worst bit, and that's the most offending thing. If Joanne had never joined that bowling league, she would never have gotten suspicious. But people around town must have known he was up to the dirty. Because otherwise, why did she get that anonymous phone call? There's never any. It's not revealed anywhere who that person was. Joanne was a waitress locally, I believe. So people would have liked her, would have known her, maybe thought, that's not right. I'm surprised his first wife managed to Get away. escape unscathed. Because mm. he tried to bl blow up Joanne, mm. and then he successfully kills Tammy. Mm. I'm assuming he's doing it each time because he doesn't want to lose money. Yes. Why marry them? Because he doesn't seem to be for a long time in the first place. Yes. I know. I don't get it. Is he a spy? <laughs> and he's making different wives in different places? <laughs> He's some kind of sleeper agent, but doesn't know how to make a bomb. I don't understand. I don't understand his motivation towards to do any of this. Oh come on! None of these people are Mensa candidates, are they? That's besides the point. I, I, apparently, he actually has a middle name beginning with an M, but nowhere can I find what that stands for. None of the legal papers has it, although occasionally he is referred to as Ronald M. Harnwell, but massive fuckwit. Yeah, it is useless. <laughs> I'm always a hundred percent certain I found his daughter. She never married or at least kept her name and still lives in Wound Socket. And nothing happens to her this entire time? Not as far as I'm aware. How, how is she not then essentially the getaway driver in this? I know. I know. It, she may have been charged and it was kept under wraps. I don't know. But there's got to be something in the water there.
There's got to be. This is just... Is there any weird history of abuse from Ronald? I know you said he struggled to find anything. He couldn't even find his birthday. When I searched his name, it it yeah. was very loose. There's apparently, there's a, there's a politician who's got a similar name and a obituary from some other guy. There's only one picture of him out there as well. But this is why we do these cases. This is the cases people don't know. That could easily be an episode of the show Mindhunter, for example. Yeah. Because they could even make it insidious with this man who's got two two wives, attempts to blow one up, doesn't succeed, and then and then murders Tammy, who works at the Burger King. Like, there are so many cases that I've heard of over the years where men. Oh my god! I just realised he's called Ronald and he killed someone at the Burger King. <laughs> it's all a ruse. It's all a ruse. It's fucking, it's, it's Big McDonald, isn't it? I just realised. Even thought of that. Oh. I just realised it's, it's all a big ruse. I've, I've solved it. It, it, it was it's McDonald's. <laughs> I hadn't even thought of that. Well done. Well done. I thought I'd actually have a, a play with ChatGPT. I'm sure everybody's heard of it by now. And see if I am replaceable as a researcher and writer. Let's just say that this thing threw a name into the mix for this case that I've never heard of. I have no idea where this name came from. Absolutely no links to the case. It also told me that Ronald killed this random woman and left his DNA behind. Well, we know he hired the hit band, so where this chat GPT got that from, I don't know. It also told me it took place in a city 1,400 miles away from where we know it did. And I spent far too long looking into whether someone else with the same name actually murdered someone else. But no. <laughs> yeah, hang on. This one's more interesting yeah, than the first it, one. It, it, it looks like I'll be slogging over a hot keyboard for a while yet. And this man looking up pipe bombs ends up with a knock on the front door. It's... Bizarre, but it's absolutely bizarre. It's bonkers. And Ronald McDonald and Burger King. Um, um. So Ronald is still currently serving his prison sentence. Yes, seventy-two years old in this medium secure facility in Rhode Island. So he's not, he's, he's not a criminal mastermind by any stretch of the imagination, and he's probably not going to be dangerous to anybody else well, unless well, he marries him. He, he, well, yeah, he, he wasn't strictly dangerous to. Tammy himself is by nature of him hiring a hitman. So is there any protections in place for anything that he puts out, out there? Because Joanne could still be alive and he could still attempt to kill her. I know by now it's past the point of the purpose. He was trying to do it to keep money and now he's lost it already so he might not have the motivation to. Might have been able to afford one. Very true. Well, yeah, everything's gone. But the point being that now for definite because he is convict of convicted murder... His phone calls and his everything posts. is hyper monitored. Yes, yeah. exactly. So that wouldn't happen with that. And I think he only hired the hitmen to kill Tammy because he was in prison. If he'd been out, he would have attempted it himself. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, we know he did already when he attempted to kill Joanne. But also, as well, because it was cheaper. Because he's a cheapskate. He lost two and a half thousand dollars. He had thrown around, you know, the sum of ten thousand dollars to get joanne taken out i doubt very much whether he had much more than that line about so it would have been cheaper to make these pipe bombs himself again and take tammy out yeah but that's why he hired a hitman who did the job but yeah screwed everyone over and that is the end of this week's rather strange rather confusing episode and i'm working on the next patreon to <laughs> and it's also just as confusing although and yeah there's fake names in the next Patreon episode why, as well. why you do that to me I, I, I didn't do it on purpose so trust me 
Finally, the victim, who should not be forgotten, Tammy Petrin, age 21, and Jenna, the custodian, who was, I believe, 24. That is the end of the podcast. Thank you very much for listening. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast. Email us at murdermemondepodcast.gmail.com. Patreon in the show notes description below. Like, vote, subscribe, all that good stuff. Find my Instagram at camcomfocus. And we'll see you next time. Much love. Peace. Bye.